Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. God saves you from something and God saves you to something. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to the podcast today. We're going to go to Ephesians 2. I trust you read Ephesians 1 through a bunch of times in the past week and that you're excited about listening to the podcast today because we're going to talk about Ephesians 2. Remember I said Ephesians 1, I had titled that chapter Identification. Chapter 2, I've entitled Separation. It's interesting how the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, presents this. The first thing he does is talk about in chapter 1, who we are in Christ, what our inheritance is, what he gave us. In other words, he he kind of gives us the prize first. Then in chapter two, he challenges us basically to live worthy of that prize. He challenges us as a picture of his church as to what it should look like. And he starts in verse two, it says, and you who were dead, past tense, in your trespasses and sins. Now notice the description here. This is God's description of what he saved you from, okay? God saves you to something, and God saves you from something, all right? Always remember that. God saves you to something, from something. He saves you from something, to something. Somebody that knows they've been forgiven from their sins has been saved to do something else. So he says here, you were dead, in which you formerly, past tense, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. See, he's telling you here that salvation was not just mental assent. He's saying that he is literally giving you a new spirit and that you no longer have a spirit of disobedience, but now, according to Romans 8, you have a spirit of obedience. You've been separated from the world to God. You've been separated from your sin to righteousness that you might live righteously. And as you read through this chapter, look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, his special creation, his designed object, created in Christ Jesus. Now, see, we were born the first time, created by our parents with God's blessing. But now we're created anew, the second birth in Christ Jesus, for good works. You don't get saved by works, but when you get saved, you do good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He separates us from the acts of disobedience. You know, the best way to live righteous is to do righteous. The best way to live righteous is to do righteous. Go do something righteous. Go occupy yourself with righteous things and doing righteousness. When you were a sinner, that's what you did. You occupied yourself doing sin. Now that you're righteous, you should occupy yourself doing righteous things, preaching the gospel, visiting people in jail, taking care of the neighbors, serving in the church, praying, taking mission trips. I mean, I mean, do you need a list? Call me. I'll put you to work, okay? 
doing righteous things, which God prepared excuse me, beforehand so that we would walk in them. And then he says this in verse 11, Therefore, or because of this, remember, that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, comparing Jew and Gentile, which is performed by the flesh of human hands. Remember, at that time, you were separate from Christ, but now you're not. Okay? Uh, Then he goes to verse 14. Now, this is really, uh, to a large degree, if you follow the the outline of Ephesians 2, uh, you know, he tells us what we were saved from, and now he's telling us what we're saved for. And in verse 15 or 14, he says, but he himself is our peace who made both groups. What groups is he talking about? Jew and Gentile. What's a Gentile? Anybody that wasn't a Jew. Anybody that wasn't under the promise, okay? What he's saying is there's nobody that's excluded from the promise. You can't read Ephesians 1 and say, oh, that's only talking about a select group of people. That's only talking about predestined people. Now, that's talking about whosoever will, will come, okay? For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law. See, this is a picture. He's painting a picture of the tabernacle where there was a division of the holy place, where there was a wall where where nobody could get through, Jew or Gentile. And now he says, look, in Christ, Jesus broke down that wall. The cross has done more to alleviate racial segregation and racial prejudice than any social engineering program on planet Earth, past, present, or future. We have to understand that. Do you realize that the separation between the Jew and the Gentile in that culture was greater, listen to me, is greater than any racial tension distinction we have even when we have race baiters out there trying to cause problems. That's why Jesus, just when he talked to a Samaritan woman, she was like, oh, what are you doing talking to me in public? That's how bad it was, okay? The Jew and the Gentile, I mean, they couldn't they couldn't eat together. They couldn't worship together. Uh, the thought of intermarriage would be, you know, read the book of Nehemiah. It was, it was anathema, okay? And now Jesus comes along and says, listen, here's my plan. I got this church where I'm going to bring people from every tribe and every kindred, every nation, every tongue, and, and, and they're just not going to go to heaven. They're going to bring heaven to earth. They're going to fill local churches across this globe so the community can look at that and say, the only thing that could join these people together is God. This is a picture the Apostle Paul is painting of the church. This is a picture of the separation that God has separated us from the world. He separated us from an ungodly culture. He has separated us from the customs of men. He separated us from religious duty. And now he's knocked down the wall and joined us together. And I'll just say this. I wouldn't want to be the man to put a brick on the wall 
that Jesus bled and died to knock the wall down for. I would not want to be that man. I would not want to be that woman that picks up that brick. Yet, you know what? I see people literally in churches pick up a brick against their brother and cause division. Those people need Ephesians 1.18. They need to pray that they would understand why they're saved. Because I'm telling you, when they're acting like that, they don't even know. Maybe they're not even saved. I don't know. But if they are saved, they don't know why they're saved. They have lost focus, and they are doing their own thing. They are not overwhelmed with this three-dimensional vision that God has given for this incredible church. And then some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible are found at the end of Ephesians 2, where he gives this just lovely, uh, I mean, you talk about a description. Let me read verse 19 through 22. So then, or because of all these things he did, because he knocked down the wall, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You know, the, the greatest human tragedy is rejection. People feeling like there's nobody that loves them. There's no place I belong. You know, our church, your church that you go to, should be a place when people come in that they could feel like I can belong here if I choose to. I could fit in here if I choose to. I'm no longer a stranger. I'm no longer an alien. See, he's talking about the the Gentiles who are looking at the temple and looking at the sacrifices and looking at the Jewish way of life, and the Jews wouldn't even talk to them about it. That was wrong because they they were able to convert people. They were able to bring them into Jewish faith. They just didn't do it much, okay? You are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are a fellow citizens. Oh, is that precious? You are a fellow citizen. You are equal. There are people going around preaching that Gentiles are kind of like stepchildren to God, that, that, uh, that there's a real Jew. No, a real Jew is a believing person no matter what their nationality is, no matter what their DNA is. We are fellow citizens with the saints of God's household. Not just God's house, but God's household. This, 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 this is describing a family, a household. You know, it's like, hey, come on in, take your shoes off, go to the refrigerator, help yourself. Here's the clicker, sit down, put your feet up. That's a household. You're and you're no longer a stranger here. You don't have to like, you've ever gone somewhere and you feel like, what's the rules of engagement here? What's the rules of etiquette, right? You know, like, what do they do here? You know, <laughs> you know, I've traveled to many other countries and, you know, and, and their customs and their policies and the churches are different, but you know what? I've always felt right at home, you know? If I was standing when I was, they should have been, or I should have been sitting, or sitting when I should have been standing, or singing when I should have been, you know, no one looked at me like I was an all ball. I was like, oh, that's just that gringo. That's just that American guy, you know? But we're, we're, we were a family. We're, we're the household of God. And, and, I, and we've all walked in. We, you know, maybe a business meeting. It may be in a family reunion. It may be a church service. It may be a wedding. It may be a funeral. We're like, we're the odd man out. And he's saying, look, that's not what this is all about. You're, you're of God's household. You are just as welcome here. You're a fellow citizen. It doesn't matter what you drove up in. It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter how you're dressed. It doesn't matter what your spiritual heritage. You're, you're a fellow citizen. You know, I like to tell the story in the old Soviet Union when I traveled there many years ago. You know, an American passport was something people just dreamed about. 
you know, for them to see an American passport, to touch an American passport, you know, they were strangers and aliens to freedom. They craved it. They wanted it. They would, they would ask us stories. We would tell them things and they would say, is that really true? And then when you weren't there, they'd ask somebody else in your party that what Pastor Keith told us, do you guys really have stores where you can buy Bibles and books by Christian authors? That's a true story. We had a pastor talk about a Christian bookstore, and people didn't believe that there could be such a thing as a Christian bookstore. (laughs) Fellow citizens, listen, I want to challenge you to read Ephesians 2, to let this soak in, to see why God has saved you, that he separated you to become these things, to get a vision for the church, to get a vision for your church, to say, hey, church, we're going to be that church that looks like Ephesians 2. We're going to be that people. Listen, in whom the whole body, verse 21, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple. This church, it's not just brick and mortar. It's blood and marrow. It's joint and sinew. And it's growing together. And listen to verse 22. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I like the King James there. It says, a habitation of God's Spirit. Why is God knitting us together? For a habitation of God's Spirit. Hey, this is Keith Tusi helping to put leadership in context to you. Please, this week... Meditate on Ephesians 2. Let the Lord speak to you. Learn to study the Bible in context and get excited about it. Share this with somebody. Use this in your Bible study this week. Hey, great to be with you. God bless you. Today, Keith had a discussion on Ephesians chapter 2. You are God's workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has prepared those good works for you beforehand so that you would walk in them. Spend some time in Ephesians 2 this week and ask God to show you anew what he has saved you from and what he has saved you to. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusey. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.